Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Hey there, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Nice to see you. Welcome. I'm impressed that everybody gets up and comes here on a Sunday morning when it's a beautiful beach day and you could be doing other things as well. But here we are. Do you ever do beach sits here at your Sangha? We don't. That's how we started back in uh-huh. the day. But yeah. Well, yeah. We're going to start maybe doing some on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, for those of you here in uh, the physical space as well as virtual space, and I'm not really starting it, we're just really conversing, um, but you can see my name, I think Karen Redding should be on my, my little Zoom window, and I am also an Inside LA teacher uh, facilitating and teaching a uh, sitting group in Laguna Beach. So uh, in Laguna, we do a beach sit once a month. And it's nice because somebody was saying the other day, we did a we did a sunset beach sit. And one of the people were saying, this is like a sound bath. This is like a sound bath. You're just there to really hear the, the sound. The waves were pretty big this week. Uh, my 28-year-old son is a surfer. And from the time he was eight years old, I felt like I had a weatherman in the house. You always know weather conditions when you live with or around a surfer because they're very attuned to weather. So anyway, it looks like, so greetings to everyone here on Zoom as well. Nice to see you. Yeah, very nice to see you. I I have to uh, say that I've never really done both. So this is like being in two places at once. So uh, this is my first time being here in the room with people as well as here with a computer screen, seeing everybody too. But uh, fortunately, we're really going to be talking about and doing a guided meditation having to do with the paramis. And the paramis are the the 10 treasures of the heart. So independent of whether you're here, there, or yonder, we're really going to have an opportunity to connect vis-a-vis these heart qualities. So um, Casey, whenever you think that we're ready to begin, I'm happy to just dial. It's 10 o'clock. Okay. It's it's 10 o'clock. So it's a very nice sound too want to just check thank you thank you so good morning good morning from laguna beach california and my name is karen redding and i'm happy to be a guest here um over the last few years particularly with covid I found myself in a position of uh, compiling a book. I wanted it to be both a art book because I also have a background in fine art photography, uh, as well as a meditation book because I also am a Dharma practitioner. 
And in addition to that, a mental health professional. So one of the nice things about getting older is that we can blend it all and we can be informed by all of these different strands of practices that we do and that inform ways that we see and hear and experience. So um, early on in COVID, I really heard a quote that resonated in my mind. It's a, it's a, it's a, a Dharma quote. To that which the mind attends, so is the heart inclined. And uh, it really was an important quote that kept me on track with all of the lions and tigers and bears in terms of news reports and everything going on in the world, and then the emergence of COVID and lockdown. And so I really found that it became an impetus to me to really look more deeply, more seriously, with more dedication to the refuge, that safety, that steadiness that I could find within, because I certainly was not finding that out there in the world in terms of ways of feeling safe and secure. So what I thought um, we would do today is begin with a guided meditation uh, so that what I'm able to do on an experiential level is move into what these paramis, these uh, often referred to as the 10 perfections of the heart, I, I like to think of them as wise qualities of the heart or treasures of the heart. But I thought that rather than it being didactic in the spirit of mindfulness, in the spirit of direct felt experience, we would have an opportunity to begin with my guiding us. Uh, and it's sort of like we're going to take a walk. And along our walk, we're going to stop 10 times along the way at different vistas to look out, to look in, and really make contact with each of the 10 essential qualities or treasures of the heart. And um, if you find along the way that you tend to want to pause at that particular vista, don't worry, uh, because the paramis are all interrelated. They're all lights onto each other. Uh, so uh, they all intertwine somewhere, somehow. So you'll sort of uh, pop back in whenever and wherever you pop back in. And then if you're um, really more inclined to just sort of drop down and and not really go on the little um, guided hike, please feel free to do that, respecting what you need today, right now, and in listening to the guided meditation. Um, and I will be sure uh, at the end of our guided meditation to allow a good, robust 10 to 15 minutes of silence. So this guided meditation may last a little bit longer than 30 minutes. We'll, we'll sort of um, be creative, play it by ear, and just see and just see how it goes. Okay? So... Um, I have a few things here on either side of uh, where I'm sitting, one of which is a beautiful gong bowl. So 
But the first sound of the bull, an invitation to really rest in the body and just make any adjustments with a comfortable posture, alert, but relaxed. Maybe softening or closing the eyes. Really welcoming this attitude of receptivity, being open, what's here at the sense doors, listening, seeing, even if it's degrees of light with softened eyes, maybe tasting some of that coffee or whatever we've just had, smelling. Just letting the body, there is a body, letting the body rest into the surface that you're on. And just sort of noticing right now, the eye cannot see itself, but the mind can learn to see itself. Just, just noticing the quality of mind, whether it's busy or restful, open, preoccupied. Just naming, not trying to fix or change anything. But really inviting and welcoming the pause. The pause as the gateway to mindfulness. The pause of entering the present moment. And softening the belly. Maybe noticing the breath, the movement of the breath, whether the breath is moving through the nostrils or the throat. Maybe you feel it in the chest, maybe the belly. Just noting the movement, the rhythm. In Mindful Self-Compassion, we, we talk about affectionate breathing, how the breath and the rhythm of the breath can feel like a caress. And so we play, we play with, with different visualizations related to what's here, breath, and ways that we attend to it. And softening the heart, our mindfulness practice points us in the direction of not only noticing what's here, but noticing how we attend to what's here. That second wing of mindfulness, that quality of attention, awareness is not enough. It's that quality of awareness, open awareness, tender awareness. Kind awareness, curious awareness. And however the heart is right now, it's okay. We're just allowing, opening to what's ever here while attending to it kindly. And in setting an intention for taking refuge, a teaching called the Supreme Refuge from the Dhammapada, one of my favorite 
passages. They go to many a refuge, to mountains and forest, to park and tree shrines, people threatened with danger. That's not the secure refuge, not the supreme refuge. That's not the refuge, having gone to which you gain release from suffering and stress. But when having gone to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha for refuge, you see with right discernment the Four Noble Truths, suffering, the cause, the cessation, and the way out of suffering. That's the secure refuge. That the supreme refuge. That is the refuge having gone to which you gain release from suffering and stress. And the sutta is in the present tense. They go to many a refuge. They go. We go. You go. I go. It happens in the present tense again and again maybe many, many times through the day of going to refuge, going for safety, going for release, to this place of safety, security, alignment, a place that feels trustworthy, which leads us to our own heart, to the treasures within our heart. And essentially, Buddha nature is really learning to come home to ourselves with present and loving and kind awareness. Buddha nature is a, a quality of awareness that we carry. And the Dhamma ultimately is the, the guidelines that come from the awakened mind. And Sangha is the we. And we don't find ourselves or become ourselves alone. The Sangha is the we. So we're not here to get anywhere. Just more deeply here. Just more deeply here. When taking our little roundabout hike, taking a hike this morning across 10 different vistas to visit in an embodied way each of the 10 essential qualities of an awakened heart. And dropping in with each of these vistas to a particular inquiry. And an inquiry like a koan isn't really meant 
to be answered. It's really meant to be held with interest, curiosity, leaning in so as to listen, to let the inquiry speak to us, see what arises as we listen. And this is how we awaken the heart. This is how we develop a deeper intimacy with the treasures that are already here. We're, we're told that our practice is not about following our heart, but our practice is really about cultivating our heart. And that's what we're here to do, to cultivate this heart with its treasures for awakening. And so beginning with this first vista of generosity, generosity or dana. And it's been said that generosity begins at home. It begins with ourselves. If we're not really including, nurturing, nourishing a quality of generosity towards ourselves, we're going to burn out. We're going to get fatigued. We're not going to be all that sustainable in what we have to give. And so we begin, we begin with ourselves, this quality of time, generosity of time. And many of us right now are practicing this quality by being here, taking this time to practice, to practice in community. Generosity with space, allowing pauses that we allow ourselves and each other in ways that we listen before responding. Generosity allows the heart to feel full and settle down with ourself and each other. What does generosity feel like to you in this moment? Just noticing in and with this first foundation of mindfulness, how do you access generosity in the body, giving yourself time, allowing pauses, space between the pauses, allowing a deeper listening? Let's just take a few moments and notice this quality of generosity, this first parami this first treasure, the heart. Feeling your way in.
and moving along with the generosity. Moving along to the second parami, this vista of safety and protection, ethical conduct, sila. Often we're looking for safety out there, but the teaching really asks us to direct safety inside so as to ask ourselves, how safe am I? How am I informed by non-harming, being of benefit to myself and others? We practice as a way of extending our hearts, doing to others how we would like to be treated. Daily life, we watch the way we act and speak. If I can't be kind, can I be non judgmental? If I can't be non judgmental, can I be less judgmental? If I can't be less judgmental, can I do no harm? in words and deeds. I can't do no harm, can I do less harm? All these choice points. All these choice points that mindfulness allows, opens, opens the gap. So that reactivity is not so present. And when it is, it's caught. So paying closer attention as we look out at this vista, what actions lead to harm? What actions lead away from harm? Again, not focusing on answers per se, just really leaning in to a deeper listening, noticing. There's nothing to make happen. We're just seeing what comes up. Allowing.
And now moving along with both generosity and safety and protection, we come upon the vista, the third parami of releasing, letting go, noticing what no longer serves our life. Looking more deeply day to day, how we use our time, how we spend money, how we consider our deeper intentions of what really matters to us and how connected we are to what really matters day to day. Allowing that to inform us, remembering. So much of our practice is remembering what's important so as to be informed and that intention informing wise actions. Just noticing what comes up as you reflect on letting go. And one of the questions I like to ask myself is what would be here if nothing were wrong? What would be here in this moment if nothing were wrong? And so we'll sit there for a moment or so. Holding this capacity for releasing, leaning into it, being informed by it. So many wonderful vistas on this hike. Moving along to the vista, the fourth parami of wisdom. Cultivating a deeper understanding of what's here. Not just a reaction or judgment, an understanding. When I run away or avoid my own sources of pain, I also avoid 
my own sources of joy and peace. I honor my difficulty by learning to say, this moment is like this. This is the experience of grief, of anger. This is the experience of guilt, of shame, of hurt. It's hard to feel this. My suffering becomes more understood rather than bypassed. The way out becomes the way through. It's not what I want it, but it's what I've got. It's not what I want it, but it's what I've got. Touching into that. And just feeling and allowing whatever resonates in the body with, with this deeper understanding that this parami of wisdom gives. It's like this. So many treasures to be found. What we see is what we get. Learning to see, learning to see more deeply. It's here. And we come across the fifth parami, that of courage or energy, because it takes energy to have courage. And courage doesn't mean not being afraid. It means not letting fear be in charge of my actions. And this quality of courage is synonymous with energy because it takes energy to awaken the heart. And so our inquiry with courage, vira, or, or energy, can I stay interested? Can I stay curious in things I don't know in an open and receptive way? Can my mantra be connecting rather than correcting what's here? Can I learn to connect? It's like this, naming it. rather than correcting whatever it is. Connecting. This is tapping into courage. This is tapping in to energy, to be interested, to be here, 
in this moment with what's present. We may not like it, but it's what we've got. The heart is a big place. A heart can hold many things and many people in many different ways. This practice of the paramis is really about opening that, making space for all of that, cultivating that. Such a wondrous hike. Halfway there, coming upon this vista, the sixth parami of patience, often a challenging one for many of us. Patience is often considered on the other side of courage courage helps us be there patience helps us stay there there's a forbearance just taking the the breath that says yes yes i can be with this if only moment to moment taking the time to meet this moment, one breath at a time. It's been said that patience is the art of caring slowly. So with patience, our practice is this this art, developing this art of caring slowly. And in the practice and in the inquiry, we're asked, can we begin again and again? Just keep beginning again and again. This is the practice of patience. This is how we cultivate staying power, one breath at a time.
And just noticing what's going on in the body as we touch into each of these vistas, these places of pausing, allowing, opening to these different vistas, to these different qualities of heart, to that which the mind attends, so is the heart inclined. Just attending to these qualities is a way of cultivating these treasures that exist within. What we see is what we get. We have to be able to see them and then feel nourished by them, inspired by them, held by them. This is the container. This is Buddha nature. And touching on the seventh quality, that of honesty. And what's surprising is how difficult it is, especially trying to be honest with our own mind. Honesty opens my heart and allows it to find and feel itself. Honesty opens the heart and allows it to find and feel itself. It's like this. It's like this now. I'm perfectly human. Just noticing what arises in our willingness to be honest. Sometimes I have discovered that there is wisdom within problems. That as I am honest, I find wisdom in the problem itself. It's resting there, allowing, opening. We're tapping in, we're inviting, we're opening, allowing.
and moving around the band to the eighth quality of a wise awakened heart, the eighth parami, that of resolve. A very deep quality. Resolve borders on acceptance. There's no shortcuts finding acceptance. Acceptance is earned. And resolve challenges the heart to hold a long-term intention of what matters with the capacity to dissolve what no longer serves us. We're open to the outcome, not attached to it. We're recognizing what no longer serves us. And to really let go and really be able to do the work and practice around acceptance, we have to let in. There's no letting go without letting in. They're partners. We let it in to let it go. And that takes time and compassion. With resolve, I'm no longer haunted by the past. There's more space. There's more perspective. There's more kindness, if only towards myself. Resolve is earned. And moving to metta or loving kindness. Noticing whatever's here, however it is, it can be okay. It's already here. It doesn't have to be any different. Our practice is an exploration of meeting everything 
things we don't want, things we can't even see at times. Opening to our confusion, opening to our ignorance, our blind spots. And when we can do this, it can't help but create conditions for love. Because the heart that can meet anything, that's the heart of love. And loving kindness is available when we remember it is. noticing the body, sensations in the body and heart as we pause and open and allow all of it, this refuge, this quality, creating safety. so many treasures. And last but not least, the parami of equanimity or balance, bringing attention to what arises when you say to yourself, I've had pain, I've had pleasure, I've had great times. I've had difficult times. I'm having a true human life. It comes with ups and downs. This is the way things are. Things are like this. I'm having a true human life. It comes with its ups and downs. And riding these waves of life with a quality of care and compassion We can't stop the waves, but we can learn how to ride them. And the paramis and these 10 treasures of heart help us to remember bringing a quality of care and compassion so that we can find safety wherever we go. 
we can be that which we're looking for in the world. We can be a piece of that. And just looking back over our shoulder and seeing the territory that we've covered and touching upon generosity and safety, releasing wisdom, courage, patience, honesty, resolve, Meta loving kindness, balance. We've covered a lot of ground in this walk, and we can continue to revisit this territory again and again. In the spirit of connecting and cultivating. the treasures here within each of us. And letting go of the inquiries now and just dropping into silence for maybe the last five minutes.
Thank you for your practice. The walk lasted longer than I thought. <laughs> but I said to Casey yesterday that I really didn't want to come in and make this didactic. I really wanted to come in and make it experiential so that we could really integrate the teachings with the practice because essentially that's what mindfulness informed practice is you know being uh in our bodies and having a felt experience rather than it being an idea about or a concept and so um you know i am also a mental health person and so i'm really i, I think of myself as a mindfulness informed relational therapist and it's very important to me to be with you to feel you too i don't like just sitting up here feeling um by myself so what i'd like to know and and also for those of you on zoom and you can use the chat is um i'd like to know here now what quality of the heart spoke to you today so i know that when i take this walk different days different qualities speak to me in terms of what I'm noticing, what I'm paying attention to, what comes up that feels easy, what comes up that feels a little harder. So for those of you, um, if you would like on chat to just, um, let's just name it. We're, we're, let's just name it. Was there a heart quality and maybe here in the room? And if you would, if you could just say your first name and then share, oh no, please drink your water. I'll join you. I'll join you in drinking my water too. What is your name? Stephanie. Stephanie, was there a heart quality that you noticed today that stood out? Okay, gentleness, good. Metta is always so core, right? That, that goodwill, that loving kindness. And what about for you? My name's Shannon. Um, a lot. First, courage and um, patience. Courage and patience. Yes. A lot. And yes. then ethics, you know, later on resolve. Uh huh. Beautiful. Courage, patience, and then um, resolve. A lot of times, and I've seen sometimes in the way the paramis are taught. They're sort of taught like a dance partner. So sometimes you'll see generosity mingling with uh, sila or ethics. You'll see wisdom with releasing. You'll see courage with patience. You'll see honesty with resolve. You'll see metta with, with uh, upeka or letting or balance. So thank you. Anthony, I remember your name now. Uh, my, I had a thought that popped into my head. Uh, I remember the teachings of Zen Master Hongpo who talked about all the qualities that the three sapphires are inherent in all of us. And you can either be a splitter or a lumper. And if you're a lumper, you say, well, if these qualities are already in us, what is it to block them? And it's the attachment, it's the aversion, it's the illusion, it's the mind, and it's the and so more of a subtraction problem than an addition problem. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to subtract uh, and let go of illusory thoughts and, and, and 
Beautiful. So articulate. Thank you, Anthony. Can the people on Zoom hear what people are saying here, Casey? Maybe ask them. Can you hear some of the shit? No. Okay. So we're just going around and I don't know if anybody in chat has, I see somebody said patience. David shared that the heart quality that came up for him today as well was patience. And a, and a man here, Anthony, was just talking about how, and, and I resonate and, and, and please bear with me as I try to recount the essence of what you shared. Um, and I wholeheartedly agree that um, often, and 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 I feel this way also as a psychotherapist. You know, there there's always good news. I mean, even when something feels blocked, if we can be interested in what are the causes and conditions that are blocking this from arising, then we can be interested in that. And it's not just about whether we're succeeding at not in, in feeling whatever these heart qualities are. And, and Anthony was saying that that often it's, you know, the desire, the quality of the attachment we have or aversion we have or confusion, delusion we have that that also interrupts. So it really becomes sometimes a practice of subtracting rather than adding on. But I I um I, the way I work, the way I practice, the way I teach is just, uh, I'm probably, you can hear it. I'm an optimist. I, I'm always sort of seeing that there's benefit in anything and everything that's here because it really allows us to see causes and conditions, causes and conditions for what is present and allowed and is, is wholesome. And causes and conditions for what isn't wholesome. But again, if, it were, if we're in a mindset of connecting to it, being curious and interested, rather than needing to correct it, then there's grist for our mill in staying interested in all of it. So we're going to just continue with a few more because this really uh, enriches uh, the, the conversation. How about for you? Was there any particular heart quality that today stood out for you? Lars. Lars, yes. Um, that was uh, how courage and patience. That's really tough. Yeah, I, mean, I like that idea. Yes, thank you. Right, right. So Lars is saying also to you, David, here on Zoom, given that patience was a heart quality that showed up for you. Lars is saying he really liked sort of uh, the dance step, the partnership of both courage, the capacity to be there with whatever's here, uh, alongside patience, the capacity to stay breath by breath, and that forbearance and that endurance that isn't striving per se, but it's really more of a breath by breath sort of practice that allows us. And, and um, you know, I like what Joseph Goldstein says also with patience is, you know, that the practice is that we just keep beginning. We just keep beginning again and again and again. And so that's the continuity. That's, that's the thread. That's the stream. We've got two more people here. Yes. Thank you, Megan. Um, 
patients stood out to me the strongest, but there were things you said like the connection versus correction. And that really helped me dive a little deeper into letting go of judgment. Fabulous. And I also felt like that was a nice um, kind of motivator or catalyst when we're cultivating patience or wanting to, for me, as a reminder to stick with it. Yes. And when I think you said resolve is earned, and that really stood out to me of remembering each moment, each breath, each letting go kind of leads to this culmination. And then to keep wrapping everything in each step with that loving kindness, it just felt so wholesome the whole experience. Mm, welcome. I just want to say with some of the feedback and the reflections that are here in the room, thank you for your generosity of receiving the teachings, of receiving, you know, every teacher is different, because just like every therapist is different, because we're really channeling our own understanding of the teachings into our way of being in it and being with it. And so I do try, particularly given the human mind being what it is, and we get so easily distracted, to have these very pithy sort of sound bites. So, you know, I frequently will also say to people, connect rather than correct, because often, similar to what Anthony was saying, you know, the fixing mind and comparing mind and judging mind can consume us. And if we can really try to stay with connecting to what's here rather than correcting, it opens up this other channel. It opens up this other vista. So another woman here in the room was saying that one of her takeaways was that resolved is earned. I certainly know that working as a therapist, I certainly know that there are no shortcuts. I certainly know in terms of working with trauma how uh, resolve and acceptance is really the lessening of feeling haunted by memories and really being able to develop different perspectives while also self-soothing, self-holding, self-containing. And so I too have a lot of reverence for this quality of resolve, just knowing uh, what a mature, it's a very mature emotion a very mature emotion. Uh, I'm going to just zero in on Zoom here. Is acceptance a heart quality? Acceptance was intermingled in my experience today. Yes. Um, and I think that might have been David that came from David. Yes. Um, again, I, I think of acceptance as being connected to the parami of resolve because resolve is not fixing or making anything go away. What's done is done. It's more about having a different relationship to it. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, for example, even in this past year, of an incident I had with a significant other where I felt hurt, I felt betrayed in the moment, I felt so much pain, I felt so much hurt, I just, I just wish it wasn't here. And yet the experience of resolve, the experience of growing acceptance 
for me in this instance, similar to impermanence, that things are always changing, is that I have really come to see that sometimes the perception I have today is a little bit different than the perception I had nine months ago. Not that it wasn't hurtful, not that I didn't feel betrayed, but that there is also an element of gratitude that I was able to see it and work it. And I was even able to see it and work it with the person. Sometimes we can't always do that. So, you know, resolve takes time, resolve unfolds and resolve, yes, is, is part of acceptance. And we can't get to acceptance. And I've seen this in my work with young adults with cancer. We can't, we can't get to acceptance without also uh, in this journey encountering uh, places of, of, of denial, places of anger places of bargaining, places of sadness, uh, you know, this too is a process. And so it's earned. Thank you. Casey. Um, yeah, it seems like patience is a theme today. Um, yeah, patience for me comes up all the time, a lifelong thing. And uh, yeah, when I first heard the pyramids, patience put out a lot. And uh, yeah, I think for me that uh, I'm not quite sure when patience is going to go away. And yet I just look at the attachment part. So I'm I'm impatient. Even even when there's like a bodhisattva quality of that, I'm impatient helping others or something. I'm just I'm just impatient. And yet what I work with is the impatience. So when there's <clears throat> when what I'm impatient. You know, whatever surrounding that, if it doesn't come to fruition, then can I use wisdom to be with that? Like, okay, but I'm still going to be impatient. <laughs> I wish Casey was up here. You know what a great teacher he is. Casey was also sharing this, um, uh, the theme today, uh, in, in terms of what is resonating for many people, uh, is this parami or heart quality of patience, and uh. Uh, Casey is sharing that that's really what came up for him and uh, noticing all of the ways that he does feel impatient and yet also noticing that on the other side of that is his attachment to things being a particular way. So when he can be okay with his impatience and give wiggle room and give space to be, it's like this now, you know, uh, look at the size of the human cloth. There's so many of us that have these uh, tinges of impatience, then he's able to sort of breathe into it a little bit differently and start again and again and again. So um, I'm noticing how fast time is going right now. I think I have about another, what, 12, 13 minutes. So what I'd like to do, because part of also why, why I came and was really motivated is guess what? Over this past year, I published a book on the Paramis, and it's called 10 Ways to Awaken the Wise Heart, a Photographic Journey. And so I'd like to say a little bit about this uh, and a little bit about, if you're interested, how you might order this. Um, 
I think it's taken me my whole life to really write this book because it's a reflection of many experiences, but I started writing it during COVID. And Trudy Goodman, one of my teachers, had said to me, there are tons of Dharma books out there. There are tons of art photography books out there, but there's not a combination of an art photography Dharma book. And so how great that you can do this. And so um, the backstory is, and I'll try to be quick about this. The backstory is, oh, probably 20 some years ago, my family, my, my husband and my son and I did a lot of adventure travel going to a lot of developing countries. And um, I became interested in photography and my approach to photography, similar to meditation and psychotherapy is really one of being curious, really one of being interested, really one of staying open. And um, so during COVID, uh, in looking at my practice becoming more heart-centered, more looking at ways to, to find refuge in my heart, find safety in my heart, was really an opportunity to look through my photography library and kind of like building a house, scaffolding it, and thinking about what photographs I could choose. And I chose four photographs for each of the 10 qualities of the heart. And then with each of the photographs, I sort of did a backstory so that we're outward bound, noticing where in the world we are. But then I bring it into the realm of the heart in terms of whatever the quality is that I'm trying to highlight and then offering an inquiry. So that's sort of the format of the book. And, um, you know, again, just to touch on this. I'm assuming, given just the response I've gotten from people here, that people know what the paramis are. But in Pali, the word parami means supreme quality. And in Sanskrit, they use the word paramita. And the paramita uh, is translated into going towards. And so taken together, the paramis or paramitas really. Uh, uh, reflect the accumulated forces of wholesomeness, the accumulated forces of wholesomeness within the mind and heart. Uh, often people think of the paramis or, or paramitas as perfections of the heart. Again, I'm a psychotherapist. I see the Western mind. It just goes into comparing, judging, fixing. So that's why uh, rather than the perfections, I like to think of it more as the treasures. I like to think of it more as the 10 essential qualities of wisdom of the awakened heart. Um, I'm very happy to say um, in this book that I got a beautiful, beautiful, and I think you can probably understand my elation of a uh, Jack Cornfield and Trudy Goodman writing my foreword. Can you imagine? That was the cherry on top. That was the cherry on top. And I also want to say, because nobody does anything single-handedly here in, in Orange, well, I, is Long Beach Orange County? Okay. I'm in Laguna Beach. I'm in Laguna Beach. I'm Orange County, but I'm going to give a, a shout out 
There is a wonderful um, printer publishing company called Creative Press. I had the opportunity to meet this man, Kevin Brody. Kevin Brody has done art books for uh, Ansel Adam Archives, John Sexton, a lot of uh, the heavy, heavy hitter, famous, talented California photographers. I said to him, you know, my photography isn't quite at that level. He said, don't worry. We've been doing a lot of branding. We love these special projects of books. Bring it in, bring it on. And I had a wonderful graphic designer that he hooked me up to in Northern California, Jana Anderson. Let's put credits out there. Nobody does anything alone. Um, Jana, not only, I just want to show you all, and then we're going to hopefully, hopefully do one little exercise. Jana, uh, think about what it's like to give a pile of work to a graphic designer whose skill set is layout and design. And then you find out who knew that she did her master's in topography in Switzerland. And in Switzerland, signage is art just as art and images and photography is art. They see words as art. And so she found a, a photo of mine of a footprint of the Buddha that I took, uh, you know, at the bottom of a statue in Sri Lanka. And she said, oh, this will be a great table of contents page because it's an imprint. It's an imprint. It really sets the print for what's inside. But what I'd like to do with the 10 minutes, can I, that it's remaining, just to give it a taste, is um, I'd like to sort of bring you in, and I'm gonna do it with the people on Zoom as well. But Casey, could you help me with this? And, um, cause I wanna just see, show how the photograph can be an anchor for, Inquiry, just give everybody and maybe some people can share one. And so, um, what I did, what I did with this book was I used, I used the photograph as an anchoring. So let's, let me just give you a felt experience of this photograph as an anchor. For the past 100 years, and this is in the book, a lotus weaving industry has developed on Inlay Lake, that's Northern Myanmar, using fabric made from the lotus plants that grow in the water there. Did anybody know that you can make clothing from a lotus? I knew you could make clothing from bamboo, but I had no idea you could make clothing from a lotus. It begins by cutting lotus stems into small pieces and extracting their fibers by hand using a knife. Then the fibers are moistened and rolled together to form threads. The process is repeated again and again to produce the long fine threads used in lotus weaving. In the second stage, another person spins and weaves the raw pure silk lotus silk into spools by using a hand-turned wheel. This man, in this photograph, transforms the lotus threads into products 
using an old hand loom, the final stage of the lotus silk weaving process. His concentration and patience were accentuated by the golden light that was coming through the window just behind him at the end of the day. Although this man was elderly, I watched him work while he sat on a wood floor for long periods of time. He was both quiet and focused. His work resembled a meditation. I wondered if his body ached after a long day's work, if he made many mistakes or got distracted. His presence felt steady, his actions slow and precise. If patience is the art of moving slowly towards an outcome, I was witnessing a steady transformation of a lotus thread taking on a new form and becoming something else. I wonder what we become with a steady practice of patience. What might it be like to befriend patience? Patience is an ingredient that transforms the heart. And so this is just a little taste of how there's an art book so that if you just want to go in the water and get your toes wet, you can look at the beautiful photograph. And I have a legend of photographs at the end that show where in the world the photograph was taken. But then if you want to go a little deeper and hear a little bit about the story of the photograph, so as to visit someplace out there in the world, but then there's also the reflection so that we're coming back to a region of our own heart. So this is really how I did the, the book. And as a, as a clinical social worker, you know, my training was always, how does the outside get in? How does the environment, the culture get in each of us? And how does what we do in terms of our own work, our own stuff, our own cultivation, how does that get out in the world? So there's always this synergy between the outside getting in, the inside getting out. And I really tried to bring that to the book as well, bringing photographs from outside, reflections about that, stories about that, but also touching upon regions of the heart and then with an inquiry. So I'm thinking that maybe we can do the inquiry briefly and then just allow the last few minutes for any other comments. Because this has gone fast, Casey. I brought three different things that we could do. Maybe we can do a workshop sometime where we just have like a half day and a little bit more time to play. Because I like to play. I think the play space is really where the action's at. That's where we really get to be creative and mix it up. So for those, for those in the book who want to take the deeper dive, the inquiry is, and I'd like us to do this now, just being spontaneous. As you gaze at this man, can you feel a thread of his patience within yourself? As you gaze at this man, maybe it's not, can you feel, maybe it's, can you allow? Maybe can you be inspired? to feel a thread of his patience within yourself. How might befriending patience 
change your life. And so, if there's any comment, I'd like to maybe start with the folks on Zoom. If there's any comment about, and again, with inquiry, you know, I use inquiry a lot as a, as a psychotherapist because it's not about advice giving. It's not about answers. It's really more about how we hold questions how we listen to questions, how we associate to questions. And so I'm really trying to bring um, that practice too into this book. What, what would it be like to befriend patients? How might befriending patients change our life? So any comment on, on the part of Zoom, and you can um, unmute yourself and speak if you'd like, or not. This is an invitation. Sometimes it's just the receiving. So everyone, and this is just for you on Zoom, here's the deal. I'm going to just be straight with you. Do you have any idea? how expensive it is to make a book, to make a hardbound, sewn binding, kiss-cut debossing, foil stamp, and I didn't put my name on the cover. I put it on the side because I wanted this to be like a beautiful coffee table book so that it would be just like a piece of art. Oh my goodness. It started looking like it was going to cost me like buying a Prius. It got to about the cost of a Lexus. And so the good news is it's beautiful. I mean, it's breathtakingly beautiful. I had a lot of help. Uh, the Yikes is it's uh, it's on the market. I have it um, at a couple of gift shops, um, but primarily it's on my website. My name, KarenRedding.com. Uh, and there is a tab there that says store. But here's the here's here's the gift. It's on the market for $95 a book. But today I said to Casey, I want to offer it to anybody who shows up for my talk for Donna. So anybody who wants a copy of this book, please, I can't do this with the world at large, but I'm doing it right here, right now, and saying. Um, if you would like a copy of this book, please offer Donna and I will send it to you. Now, here's the glitch though. So I'm going to say this to you on Zoom. It's not going to affect people here. I'm selling it on Shopify. I don't know if Shopify is going to let you check out unless you pay your whole amount. So here's what you should do. Send me a message kredding at mac.com or you can do it through my website and just say hey i'm david or hey i'm so and so i attended your talk today on the parmies and i'd like to offer a donation for the book please send it to me and it would be my honor to send it to you especially you david especially given the timing of where you are i think this would look beautiful on your table 
and then you could share it with others. And it's not the kind of book you read cover to cover. It's the kind of book you read one page. You read one. It's like it's like a, a reflection. It's a photo. It's a reflection. It's an inquiry. Um, but from my heart to your heart, I, I would really like to offer it for whatever Donna. Could you come do it for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It takes a village. I don't like to have to do everything. What, what so is here, kredding at mac.com. At mac.com. That's where to email me. And then um my, and then also tell them my Venmo. Let's write that. I can tell you, Casey. Okay, great. So um my Venmo is Karen Redding four. Who knew? that there's four other Karen Reddings. There's probably that many more. Isn't it interesting to find how many people have your name when you apply for Venmo? So um, here's my here's my um, email and then my Venmo. And then you'll need to let me know your address and I'm very happy to send it to you. And that holds true for everybody here too. So, um, Offering of merit. Thank you so much, everyone. I could really feel it's kind of a challenging gig. I hope you have empathy for me too. It's kind of a challenging gig to be here in physical space, to be here with you all on on the uh, on the on the screen. Uh, but I did my best with the conditions I, I've got. Thank you for your patience of bearing with what it's like to kind of uh, do all of these things at once. Uh, and an offering of merit, may the merit of our practice, may the merit of, of really getting more uh, aware and intimate with these qualities, these wise qualities of the heart, these treasures of the heart, really be here to help us remember, especially when we're down and out, especially when we're confused, especially when things are tough, to remember there's always a place to find safety and protection. And it starts with how we attend to matters of our own heart, because we can't attend to another person's heart unless we can attend to our own kindly, our own tenderly our own compassionately, and that's how it grows. So may the merits of our practice touch all of our hearts and all of those hearts that we come in contact with. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your engagement and participation. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.